when we were last here, we were in New York. You had just had a few little social encounters with various friends, Molly and Louise. Am I right? Not Louise. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay, Molly and Elizabeth. And then, of course, you'd been requested, your presence was requested back at the Medium building where you met this Dr. Gonzalez. Well, where he told you that uh, Logan was certainly a lot better. And he is better. He's definitely better. He doesn't have the yellow death anymore. Unfortunately, he's got scales. <laughs> so the three of you are now all on a path towards becoming serpent people. As Gonsalves explained, the process by which this hybridization would proceed, that the more cell damage that you receive, the more your cells will be replaced by serpent cells as they heal. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we left it. So, how are you feeling about all that then? I am uh, quite angry at this Caduceus organization for seemingly tricking us and then getting us hooked in this uh, process. Well, I mean, is that strictly what happened? Not really, because they got it from that beam. Exactly, exactly. The only person that was, I suppose, treated and made such was Logan, um, and that was done to save his life. So I don't know. I think you might be being a bit unfair. No? Yes? No? I believe you said that Logan isn't aware that he's turning into a snake person at this point. I don't know what happened, but I don't want to grow fangs. I know that much. There's got to be a way to reverse this. What do you think, Doc? Apparently not. Apparently these people are the experts. And apparently they are experts at turning unwitting agents into snake people. And now now we have no choice but to work for this organization. Shall we just assume that you're back in the city after having received this rather disturbing news? I think, uh, well, certainly Archie Thackeray, AP, Professor Thackeray, you said that you wanted to maybe do some research into Caduceus. Is that right? Yes, yes. I was uh, hoping to meet up with my good friend, uh, Detective Green, in Harlem. Okay. He, he would uh, typically meet me for lunch at the Astor Hotel, which is not too far from his beat. Right, right. Okay. Do you want to go on your own, or are you going to take your friends with you? I'll invite my friends to come along. Okay. Yeah. So I'll assume then that you all head to the Astor Hotel, possibly the next day. You've had a night to sleep on it and maybe spend a few hours in the bathroom just examining your, your bodies. And then the next day, you are in the hotel. So you are in the hotel lobby of the Astor. Three of you sitting there, perhaps uh, reading the papers, maybe having a, having a cup of coffee in the morning. And Detective Green comes in and he walks over and he says, Hey, Prof, great to see you. You're back from your travels. Sam, it's good to see you. Oh, have, have I got a tale to tell you? And uh, let me say, I know it's not above board, but thank you for that Tommy gun. It came in very handy. Yeah, well, look, don't let the chief ever hear about it. Uh, I had to sneak it out of the uh, evidence locker. Who did you say it belonged to? A uh, lefty? Uh... Yeah, some guy. Lucky, I think his name That's was. Right. Lucky, Lucci, I can never get those Italian names. Something like that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm all ears. So, my friends and I, and please... May I introduce uh, Mr. Uh, Logan Selby, a pilot, and Mr. Chesterton, an adventurer of sorts. Ah, oh, pleased to meet you. How's it going? The three of us, we took a, a jaunt to Bolivia, and then, almost immediately, uh, took a, some travels to Borneo. And it was all funded by a company called Caduceus. Jeez, Prof, I've never even been, at, been outside the five boroughs. Yes, well, I... 
this is the uh, the luxury of of us here in the uh, in the uh, academic class to have to uh, follow up in the field, so to speak, with uh, some of our wild theories, I should say. Well, rather you than me, Prof. Rather you than me. Uh, you know, you can't get a good hamburger in the jungle. I think I'd rather stick to Manhattan. That is very true. You must acquire taste for elephant. Wow, elephant. Anyway, I'm sure we ain't, you ain't asked me here to tell me about the, f- the jungle grub. So what is it? No, indeed I haven't. We have a serious conundrum facing the three of us. And I, I show him a patch of the, the snakeskin. Just I pull back my, my cravat. And I show him uh, what's going on. He goes, holy shit, what the hell is that? I wish I knew. The This Caduceus organization, which has been treating us, has advised us that we are afflicted by some sort of condition that is slowly turning us, and you'll have to sit down for this, turning us into snake people. He just kind of splutters out his coffee. <laughs> snake people? What the hell? I can forgive you for ruining the suit. I had a similar reaction when I first heard this news as well. I was hoping that maybe you or somebody in the Metropolitan Police would be able to look into this organization. Nobody else has been able to diagnose our condition, and this seems very far-fetched. You know how strange this sounds, Snake people. <laughs> strange? This is something out of weird tales, isn't it? Indeed. So... What about your two pals? You got this thing as well? I feel they may. I do as well. And it's, uh, it's really going to put a damper on my love life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Although, you never know. Maybe someone uh, gets a little uh, kick out of that. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But still, we, we would like to know more. If you could help us, Detective. Detective, this is not the precinct locker room. Yeah, well, look. Worst comes to worse. You can always make a living down on Coney Island. I'm not joining a freak show. It would be quite the falling off if I were to tell my family that I've had to resort to sideshow employment. Yeah, no, I I understand. I'm sorry. You you know what it's like. We like this kind of humor down at the precinct. Look, I I get it, but I don't pretend to understand what what really you're talking about. But you're saying this Caduceus? Yes, I've written down a packet for you. Everything I know with names and addresses. There was a uh, Agent Shapiro who worked for the organization. He did not break it back from Borneo. Yeah. What happened? Well, uh, suffice it to say, he was killed in a most extreme manner. There was nothing left but his skin. Jeez, that's uh, disgusting. Yes. Yeah, it was disturbing to say the least. A lot of weird things happened over there. Right, right. You sure you want to go poking around into this Caduceus? I don't think we have a choice. Right, right. Well, look. No, anything you can dig up on this organization, where they come from what they do. They seem to be very well funded, and I don't know what their motivations might be for uh, lying, perhaps lying about this condition we have. I mean, it's not my precinct. I got a pal, Lieutenant Poole, works out the east side, upper east side. He's a solid guy. Uh, I'll go and have a chat with him, see what he knows about this uh, Caduceus. But you said they're backed, they got, you know, is it dirty money? I don't know. I really couldn't say. I mean, they seem to be very well funded. They funded trips to Bolivia and then Borneo with the, seemingly at the drop of a hat. I fear they've been stealing artifacts from these places. Well, I've got to say, this is a little bit out of my area of expertise, but I'll, I'll have a look. If they've not committed crimes in New York, I can't really do a lot about it. You do know that. You know, I'm, I'm not the FBI. I know, but anything you can dig up on them would be helpful. I'm quite at a loss. I appreciate it, Wilfred. 
<laughs> Wilfred? I thought his name was... What was his name? I think he changed his name halfway through. Yeah, I think it was Sam. Oh, did I call him Sam? Samuel Wilfred Green. Yeah, Sam, Samuel... Will, I'll put that in. Samuel Wilfred Green. Wilfred. His friends call him Willie. Willie Green. Uh, that's good. Oh my goodness. All right. He kind of gives you a bit of a trouble look as he leaves and kind of shakes his head. As you hear him say, snake people. What the hell? As he's walking out of the hotel. But yeah, he said he'd kind of get back in touch in a couple of days once he's found out what he can. Now, Logan, I don't think we gave you the opportunity to do any uh, of your personal stuff, did we? He was in the hospital. You were in the hospital. Having taken photos, being an amateur photographer, he was thinking about, you know, looking into National Geographic and possibly seeing if they would be interested in any photos. And if that comes about, you know, maybe asking them if they had any other photos or know of any other weird instances of things similar. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you head down to Fifth Avenue. Maybe later that day you head down there. You've you've collected all your film Developed it in my, in my personal little development space in my loft. You took one of the uh, of the Haftarang device going off, didn't you? Yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, that's going to be something. God. <laughs> so you've got that. I guess you've got ones of the temple. You took ones inside the temple, I think, didn't you? Of the Nakao. Yeah, and we were down in the we were down in one of those holes to begin with. Some of the, the language too. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. So. Let's come up with a person that you know there. Who would it be? Maybe it would be the head of the photographic unit, let's say. Maybe I dated her. Okay. <laughs> what should we call her? Oh, I don't know. Let's call her, uh, how about Lenore? Lenore. Um, Hatfield? Sure, that sounds good. Okay. All right. So let's say you're doing this on your own. So you head, you head to Fifth Avenue and Lenore comes down to the lobby. How well do you know her? Is it passing acquaintance, or is it someone that you know well? Or I'd say we went out for a few dates, you know. Oh, okay, okay. But you're still on good terms? I'd say we met at a, uh, a museum art opening or something, and uh, we kind of hit it off, and we went out a couple times. Okay, but nothing serious. Nothing serious at the point, no. You didn't, like, break up. There was no breakup or anything. It was just a couple of casual dates, and who knows. All right, so Lenore Hattie, <laughs> Hattie comes down, and she says, Logan, oh, it's been too long. Hey, Hattie, how you doing? Oh, you know, things are fine. Busy as usual. we got a big issue coming out, a special on sub-Saharan Africa. It's going to really shake things up a bit, I think. Really? Interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. People think that people that live in Central Africa are savages. There's a rich, deep culture there that goes back thousands of years. People just don't realize it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Hey, listen, Hattie, I hate to push forward into this conversation, but I've got these photos here I'd like you to take a look at. Uh, I thought this wasn't just a social call, Logan. You know, you don't need an excuse to come and say hi. Well, you know, I've been busy and you know, I'd like to go out again sometime, but really I I'd like to show you these photos. There's been some interesting developments lately in my life. Yeah, Hattie says, well, maybe when you've both got a bit more time, it's the pressure of this job. But come on, come and show me what you've got. So you go up to a, a room with a bunch of light boxes on. She says, you got, have you developed them or we just got negs? I got the negatives with me, but I did develop a few. Okay, okay. Say I developed, you know, maybe five or six of them, you know, or maybe, yeah, five or six of them brought them with me. Okay, what you got? Show me. So I, I pull out the photos and I, I pull out the picture of the, showing the, the language first. Okay. And uh, maybe I have a picture of, uh, well, the half-terrain device obviously going off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see her eyes, like, widen. 
she sees the picture the, of the Haftarang device. Have you heard anything about a strange explosion in the air in Borneo recently? No. What is this photo? Is that... Did you do some, like, trick photography? Did you, like, do a montage? What is that? It looks like a, a colorized version of the, of the sun superimposed over a landscape. What is it? How did you do that? That looks real. It was real. It's, uh... Gosh, maybe I shouldn't have brought you into this. What do you mean it's real? What is that? This was in Borneo a few days ago. I mean, I can see the jungles and the mountains, but what was it, some kind of bomb? Look, you've heard about the virus that's going on over there, right? People dying? There was a report, yeah, in the papers. That's what you went there for? Yes, that's what I went there for. Are you okay? I am now. For now. Anyway, I took these pictures while I was there, and there's these weird, strange happenings going on there, and I don't know, there's the pyramids and just mummies and all kinds of weird things that I've got photos of, and I just didn't know if maybe you'd be curious about any of these. Well, I'm sure. I mean... And I'll be honest, I'm really curious. Do you guys have a... Does National Geographic have a backlog or a history or a room with unexplained things? Well, not per se. I mean, people are always finding unusual sites and discovering new archaeological locations which are of course mysterious but there's always some kind of scientific explanation or historical explanation but what you're showing me here i've never seen anything like this but can i keep these yeah i can make more okay maybe i'll speak to the editor but these ones and she picks up the ones with the nakal she says what is this what are these hieroglyphics i've never seen anything like this before like i said me and my friends that I was there with, we ran into some really strange things. And uh, there were these pyramids and these tunnels. And this language or these runes show up in a lot of different places. And let me let me say first, be very careful who you talk to about this. Only go to somebody you trust. Why? What are you saying? There are some weird things going on here. I don't want you to get hurt, but I'm curious what you might know and what you might be able to find out. Logan, you're, you're starting to worry me now. I mean, you're talking about mysterious explosions, lost civilizations, and now you're saying that there are people that might be after you, or maybe even after me, if I... I mean, shouldn't you go to the authorities about this? Patty, you work for National Geographic. Are you telling me that you've never heard of secret societies or things similar? Well, yeah, but they're just a bunch of kooks, aren't they? You know, like the Masons and... He just kind of gives her a stern look, and uh, just be careful. Okay... Well, look, I, I'm a bit worried now, Logan, but Williamson, the, the editor-in-chief, I, I've worked for him for seven years now. I, I trust him as much as anyone. I'll, I'll Maybe I'll go and talk to him privately about this and see whether... I mean, if this is dangerous, do you really want us to expose this to the world? What, what, are, you, what are you asking for here? I'm looking for research first. Let me ask you one more thing. Have you ever heard of a company called Caduceus? Oh, hang on. Not a company. They're, they're the foundation. They're the medical aid foundation. Yeah, of course I've heard of them. They do lots of good work around the world. Are you saying that they're wrapped up in this thing? Hmm, wrapped up. That's uh, an interesting way of putting it. Okay. Let's just say they're familiar with what's going on. Okay, Logan, well, look, I can see with my own eyes you've got something special here, but all this other stuff, I don't know whether what you're saying is true or made up. It sounds crazy to me, but okay, I'll be careful. I'll just speak to Williamson and leave it at that. Okay, so <laughs> she gathers up the photos and makes her excuses. She's, she's got a very busy day. Now, you can 
and you can do this with a bonus dice and you can use luck if you need to you can make a sanity roll mm, you said i could use a bonus dice yes look at that didn't even need it didn't even need it got an 11 even with his first dice okay so you can roll i believe it's d6 d6 okay well your sanity goes up by three <laughs> which is good i wasn't really planning on getting her involved with that but i wasn't quite sure once i showed her the pictures i'm like yeah any place with any avenue we can get information from i suppose okay so as you're leaving the national geographic building you're walking down fifth avenue can you make a spot hidden roll Ooh. wow look at that hattie brings out the best in me you just get this sense that you're being watched it's hard to place it exactly but when you came out you were pretty sure i mean you only you kind of weren't focusing you just sort of glimpsed it you were pretty sure that there was someone standing on the other side of fifth avenue just watching you as you came out. And it was just a fleeting sensation. And then when you kind of look round, it was just the crowd on, on Fifth Avenue walking past. Maybe it was just your imagination. Made my scales prick away. Yeah. But yeah, you look around and yeah, there's too many people. New York's a very busy city, of course. But you, you definitely got the sense that someone was watching. You know that feeling that even when you're not looking, you can somehow sense when someone's staring at you? You know that feeling? I have pretty good vision, so, you know, I have keen vision, so I didn't notice anybody in particular. Oh, you got keen vision. Yeah, I didn't use the bonus dice. I didn't even think about it. Oh, yeah, you, you, don't even, <laughs> you didn't even... I didn't need it. it, obviously, but... Sure. Actually, you're because you've got this pulp talent, I'll go with that. So you're looking around and you're thinking, okay, it can't have been anyone. But then as you're walking down Fifth Avenue, maybe towards... I flick out my tongue. What do I sense? As you're walking up Fifth Avenue... You get the sense that maybe someone is watching and possibly following you from the other side of the street. And you spin around and you see this man with a Homburg hat. And he just kind of flicks his eyes away. He was definitely watching you. And he continues walking along with the crowd. I'm going to go at him. Okay, so you're going to have to first, you're going to have to run across Fifth Avenue because he's on the other side. As soon as you start moving... He looks up, and then he starts running as well. One of my traits is impulsive, so... You are definitely impulsive. But you are faster than him, okay? His movement is seven, yours is eight. So you can see that if you can get across the street and make good progress through the crowd, then you will catch up with him. So the way this works is you get to move first, but you have to make it across Fifth Avenue. So the first thing you need to do is you, you can either make a dodge roll or a dex roll, as you wish. Yeah, so you just weave, maybe this trolley car comes charging down Fifth Avenue and the, the horn goes on it, you dodge out the way like you're born to it, and you burst across Fifth Avenue and then you're onto the sidewalk on the other side and you're weaving in, in and out of the people. Now he also has to make a dodge roll because he's gonna try and get through the crowd and he's not good at this. No, he's not. Uh, okay, so what happens is he bumps straight. As he's trying to run through, he hits this large group of maybe lunching matrons who are just coming out of a, an automat diner. And he just runs straight into one of them. Straight into this rather hefty matron. Just comes bouncing off her and he's now scrambling to get back up off the sidewalk. And you're closing in with him. So you're now 
like one position behind. You can use this turn to catch up with him, but you're also going to have to dodge through a large crowd. So you have to make another dodge roll. Uh, oh no! Oh. Oof. I push it. No, you can't push in a chase. It's, it's like combat, but you can spend luck if you want. You could spend 15 luck. No, I'll let it slide. Okay, so what happens is you also bump into one of these. Maybe there's a man walking along, like reading the newspaper, holding up, and you just run slap bang into him. Hey! You need to roll a d6. Oh dear. You are going to be held up, delayed for longer than he is. So you see him up ahead of you. He scrambled to his feet and he starts running again down Fifth Avenue. He's heading for the park and he gets to the park like quite ahead of you. He's now maybe a hundred yards ahead of you because you were, maybe when you were getting up, the, the guy fell on you and he was kind of like trying to help himself up and you all got tangled up and you can continue running. He gets to the black raw iron fence surrounding Madison Square Park and he's gonna just vault over the side. So he needs to make a, a jump roll. He probably has no skill in jump. But let's see what he gets. Oh no, he gets tangled up on the railing. It's like his trouser leg gets caught in one of the spikes and he's like dangling down the other side and he's desperately, frantically trying to free himself. He's gonna be stuck there for three rounds. So you just need to get to him and get over the railings. He's kind of like trying to tear, he's got over the railings and he's, but he's stuck on them and he's trying to desperately tear through his trouser leg to get him off. So you just need to jump over. Now, you can use your extra action as a bonus dice because you get one more action than he gets. I'm gonna have to because my jump's only 20. Yeah. Oh, wow, you did it again, didn't even need it. Rolls an 11. Okay, so you just vault over this raw iron railing and you almost land on him and you kind of pin him to the ground. And he looks up and he says, get off me, get off me, you lunatic. Why are you following me? I ain't following you. You started chasing me like some kind of crazy man. Why did you run from me? I, I don't know. You see some crazy lunatic run across Fifth Avenue, start chasing you. What are you going to do? Of course I'm going to run. How do you know I was going to chase you? I was all the way across Fifth Avenue. Didn't you see anybody else on the way? You were looking at me funny. You could tell I was looking at you funny from across the way. He says, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know. You look like someone I could, uh, you know, pinch, pinch your wallet, something like that. Really? I'm sorry, I won't do it. I won't, yeah, yeah, that's all. My size is 80. Really? He's like, hey, you're choking me, Mac, you're choking me. <laughs> what are you doing? I've got him by the, you know, the scruff of the neck, kind of. Why are you following me? He says, look, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Look, I was just told to follow you. That's all. That's all. Who told you to follow me? My boss. Who is? His name's Ardito. Ardito? Yeah. One of the bosses. One of the bosses of who? What are you talking about, man? Speak English. You know, one of the bosses. Like a wise guy. So you're like, with the, with the mob you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I know. Let's not I keep your voice down. We're at Madison Square Park. I got a hold of him with my left hand and I pull back my right fist. Okay, okay, okay. Venere Ardito. I don't know anything else. I'm just a street guy. He paid me 10 bucks, said I should tell you. Keep an eye on yous. Where can I find this guy? I don't know. They got their safe houses. Look, I don't know. I'm just a mook. I'm just a street, street guy, street level. I don't know where the bosses live. You think they, they let us know? As I make a fist, you hear my knuckles crack. He's no, okay. I, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth, Mac. Please. These teeth. That's, that's all I got. Where are you supposed to report to? 
They come to me. They come to us. We don't go to them. You think they let us into the inner, inner circle? Look, there's a bunch of other guys. They, they were told to tell your pals as well. That's all. Ardito. Find Ardito. He'll tell you. You're not really telling me how to find him. I told you. I don't know where he lives, where he works, where he stays. You know, they keep all this hush-hush. They don't want anyone to know their business. They pay me $10. Who can tell me? Look, seriously, Mac, that's all I know. That's all I know. You know, go to Chinatown. Check out the place. Little Italy. That's where they do their business. That's all I know. All right. Kind of shakes him roughly again and stands up. Get out of here. All right. All right. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. And then he just scurries across Madison Square Park. Okay, well... That was something, eh? You are being tailed by the Mafia. Yeah. So I was by myself, so I guess I'll head back to, uh... Is there some place we're supposed to meet up with each other, or...? Let's say that the Astor Hotel is your home base for now. Mr. Selby, tonight at 8 o'clock, Mr. Chesterton has a date at the Astor Hotel. Come with me, and you and I will sit at a table nearby. There we go. You guys are gonna crash my date? So yeah, he'll go back to the Aster. He's going to be observant now about his surroundings. And don't tell Mr. Chesterton. We'll sit at the bar. Oh my god, you're going to cock block him. I mean, that's just... Yeah, you're lucky to here. His skills will do that on their own. So both, not in the same level of suspiciousness or obviousness, but both Thackeray and Chesterton, you both did get the sense that you were being watched at certain points during the day. But you, you didn't see anything. Maybe you were just being suspicious. But then Logan comes into the lobby, maybe a bit flushed from his exertions. Richard, Professor, we're being followed. Yes, well, when you become known in literary circles and you start bringing back artifacts for the uh, museums and whatnot, people tend to notice you more. It's, I'm sure it's perfectly fine. Take them getting used to. We're being followed by the Mafia. The Mafia? I beg your pardon, what's a Mafia? You carry around a Tommy gun. You don't know what the Mafia is? Not so loud. Which was a gift. Well, look, I was chased. I was followed by some footpad this afternoon. I chased him down and told me to track down some guy, or he was told to track me down, rather, to follow us by some RD2. I don't know who that is. Well, I'm certain we're quite safe here. I don't think any Italians are allowed into the Astor Hotel. Ooh. Probably true back then, but... Uh... Yeah, but what do they want with us? I don't know. He was just a hired thug to follow me. Well, we were all supposedly followed, according to this guy. I thought I sensed it at some point today, didn't... But a gangster? What could they possibly want with us? I don't know. Maybe they heard about the professor's Tommy gun skins. Or maybe they know something about Caduceus. Could be. I don't know. I don't know how to find this guy. Might want to go check out Chinatown. Chinatown? Five points? I don't know. I don't know the city that well. Where would the mob hang out? The barbarism of Canal Street. Indeed, indeed. As long as I'm back in time for my date, you know? Yes, let me and Mr. Selby uh, poke around, as it were. I'll put a call into my friend Samuel Wilford Green, as we agreed his name is. Yes. <laughs> and uh, see if he can uh, put us in touch with anybody who works down in that area. Okay. That's a great idea. Thanks, Professor. And everybody be careful. I mean, if they're following us before, they're probably following us now. So, watch your backs. As I said, I'm sure this establishment is quite safe. All right, so Logan and the professor, you head down to Mott Street, to Canal Street, and Little Italy in Chinatown, and 
you can go down to the precinct there to meet someone that Sam Green has has put you in touch with. So Logan and Professor, you go into the precinct. Maybe yeah, uh, Little Italy police station. You head into the precinct house and the detective comes out and he looks at you and says, you must be uh, the friends of, of Sam, yeah? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Samuel Green is a good friend of mine. He uh, referred me here for someone uh, who might know uh, a certain character we're looking to locate. Yeah, Sam's a good man. Any friend of Sam's, if I can help you? So who are you looking for? Ardito? Anybody? I think I'm saying that correctly. Ardito. Arditi? Uh, something like that. Ardito? Name sounds familiar. Hang on. Just, just wait here a minute. He goes in the back and you hear him yelling, Hey! This guy, Ardito, Ardito, local guy. And someone pipes up at the back. Yeah, I know him. Anyway, a few minutes later he comes out and says, Yeah, yeah, Ardito, uh, you know, low-level guy. Burglary, theft. He's meant to be mobbed up, though, so what are you looking for? What are you looking for him for? What we are looking for him for is my associate here thinks that he is following us. To what end, we have no idea, but we're looking to perhaps find out why. Really? Huh. Doesn't sound like his normal business. He's a second story guy, from what they say. I was followed by some footpad or something this afternoon, and I chased him down, and that's who he told me he got his orders from. Right, right. Okay, well, look, what do you want us to do about it? I mean, uh, did he steal anything? Was there any crime committed? Just want to know where to find this guy. We were hoping you might know uh, where he could be found most nights. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to check. You know, they don't exactly advertise their presence, these guys. I would say insight check, but... Yeah, you can make a... Well, it would be a psychology role. Uh, if you want to see whether he's being honest with you, it would be a psychology role. I'll do psychology. Wow. <laughs> God, what? I've been seeing a lot of critical rules on... Uh... It's a crazy amount. You're older one. What What is your name, sir? Who am I? Who am I speaking to? Chester. My name's Chester. Chester. I see you have some uh, unresolved issues uh, with your mother, and perhaps uh, I, I sense uh, something uh, in regards to your brother. Did, uh, has there recently been some something wrong at home? Hey, you've been snooping around my my apartment. You've been speaking to my mother. Perhaps I should introduce myself properly. I'm Professor Thackeray, a professor of psychology. But uh, I'm not sure if you are acquainted with the methods that I may possess. But Detective Green has uh, made use of my, uh, some would say, powers, but uh, I flatter myself. Well, look, uh, you're creeping me out here, Doc. How do you know about my personal business? Just by looking at me? Oh, just uh, an inflection when you speak, uh, the way you keep glancing at the photo over there on your desk? He says, look, uh, I ain't so comfortable talking about this stuff. Uh, look, let's keep this on about business. Look, you, you want to know where Ardito is? There's a couple of Italian joints, you know, like red sauce joints. That's where a lot of these guys hang out. But I can't guarantee when he'll be there. Let me, let me go and speak to my colleagues in the back room there. You got a number I can reach you at? Well, I mean, we'd be happy to wait. Well, look, I can't guarantee anything. You might be waiting a long time. But all right, sit down. You may... uh. I mean, if, if you think it's going to be a couple of days, then you can reach me at the Astro Hotel. All right. Look, I, I'll do a bit of digging around. If you say that this Ardito guy is uh, pl planning something, uh, maybe some of us 
stoolies would get hear word of it. And I don't think anyone in the station house would know. No, but we maybe we can uh, talk to some of our uh, you know boys on the inside. I truly appreciate your efforts. Okay, okay. Well, look, if you get any more uh, information, get anything, any hard evidence of any crimes involving these guys, you know, we're always trying to bang these guys up. So you let us know, okay? One more, one more question for you. If you said uh, red sauce joints, can you uh, just suggest a couple? Some guys hang out in gin joints. So I guess uh, these fellows hang out in marinara joints. Oh, you know, there's Morosini's. Luigi's. There's uh, Luigi's. There's that uh, Trattoria place. Yeah, you know, you can never tell which one they're going to go to. They got to be careful too, you know. All right, thanks. But I'll keep an ear open. I'll keep my eyes open. You got a phone book? Yeah. He writes it down on a scrap of paper. I was looking for a phone book, actually. You got the address. I'm assuming you wrote down the addresses for me then. That... You want a phone book? I was gonna. I was asking for a phone book so I could look up the addresses for these, for these locations of these restaurants. Okay. You get the names of the Italian restaurants that these uh, mafia guys hang out at and uh, yeah well, let's cut back to richard heading back to your boarding house i would say that your landlady is a is a sour-faced old hag and she's actually standing on the stoop wearing an apron with her arms folded and she's watching you coming up the street with a sour expression on her face and she looks at you and says look what the cat's dragged in well, good afternoon to you, too. Uh, Let's give her a name. Yeah, Mrs. Uh, I'm terrible at names. Mrs. Frump. Yeah, Mrs. Frump. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect for how I'm envisioning her. So, yes. Mrs. Frump. <laughs> I'm sure that's not a, uh, a name. She looks at you. She looks and goes, you know our rules. Yeah, I know, the, I know the rules. Are you saying I broke rules? Well, yeah. You can't be bringing people back here. Especially if you're not in. Well, I mean, you can't have friends up here. You know that. Are you saying someone's been in my room? Yeah, yeah, that pal of yours. He said he was coming up to see you or something. I said, you get the hell out of here. We don't allow visitors. What did he look like? I don't know. Kind of uh, suspicious looking. You didn't let him up, did you? No, of course I didn't let him up. He had these dark eyes, like shadowy eyes. Big guy. Looked mean. Looked mean, huh? Yeah. I don't have any friends like that, so whoever that was was trying to put one over on you, Mrs. Frump. It's good you didn't let him in. I know the rules. Well, you just remember that. He was asking all kinds of questions as well. I didn't like the sound of him. What kinds of questions was he asking? He, he wanted to know where you were, what time you'd be back. I said, I'm not as a secretary. How, how should I know? He gave me a look. Oh, sent shivers down my spine. Well, uh, did he leave or did he, uh, did you see him, uh, what did you see? Which way did he went? Yeah, I I made sure he left. But at one point I thought he, he was going to pull a gun on me or something. He had a bulge in his pocket. I'd seen that kind of thing before. Do you think he's one of them gangster types? Well, I don't mean to cast any aspersions, but he seemed Italian to me. All right. Can I look around? Is there anybody watching us? You can make a luck roll. Okay. Yeah, so you actually see, sitting across the road, maybe sitting on... On a stoop, there's a sort of a guy in his 30s, 40s possibly. He's got a bottle wrapped up in brown paper. He's got a hat on. He looks like he's been sitting there a while, let's say, <laughs> drinking away. But nobody that fits the description Mrs. Frump just gave me. No. no. Okay. Well, 
Well, I'm going to go up to my room. Uh, you see anybody like that, Mrs. Frump, you come get me right away. Well, if anyone comes around looking for you, I'm going to send them away like I did that other one. You know you don't allow visitors. How many times do I have to tell you? Mr. Chesterton. Yeah. Okay. She seems very put out by it all. But you go up to your room. She was pretty clear that she didn't let him in. But, you know, a quick once over, it doesn't look like anything's been disturbed or anything. So, uh, but yeah, looks like you are all in the crosshairs right now. Yeah. But yeah, let's cut to later on that evening and you're back at the Astor Hotel. Molly is sitting there across this beautifully laid out white table, cloth, silver service, china plates. You've got some fine wine glasses. I think the professor's been giving you tips on what to order. And yeah, Molly is there. Wow, Molly, you look beautiful tonight. She says, oh, oh, Richard, you are a bit of a charmer, really. Underneath that rough exterior. I just speak the truth as I see it, miss. Well, here's to us, she says, holding up a, a glass of red wine. Yep. To us, I say, as I hold my glass. Now, I do hope you're not going to be going off on any more crazy adventures. Well, I can't guarantee that I won't. But I'm certainly glad to have this time with you. So if I do have to leave again, I can take some good memories with me. You're sweet. You know, after we had that chat, I asked around a bit about this uh, Caduceus that you were... You said you're you're working for them or something? Is that right? Well, you know, I uh, do some work in the jungles. And I've done some work for them. Jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything I've heard about them, everything... Anyone that's that's had any contact with them has only got good things to say about them. That they do very important work around the world. Well, there are medical aid. We've done some stuff with uh, doctors and medical types in the jungle, so it doesn't surprise me that they have a good reputation. Hmm. hmm. The only thing that was, uh, I suppose you could say, was interesting or notable was... And maybe this is just what happens when someone gets so rich. It was old Joshua Meadham, but... You know, he was died in the world capitalist his whole life until about 15 years ago. And suddenly he pumped all his money into this organization. And it's like he had a conversion, <laughs> you know, from only caring about his own wealth and feathering his own nest to looking after those less fortunate. I suppose it's a great thing, really, isn't it? It certainly is a noble calling to help those who are sick or, or in trouble. But I think... I mean, if I'm being honest, Molly, I think Caduceus does more than medical aid. I think they're interested in, I don't know, archaeology, artifacts. Well, I suppose if they are doing work in these far-flung places, they're going to be in the right spot for it. Yeah, maybe it's just a side benefit. What do you think? Certainly, I think they are involved in more than they say. Hmm. Well, as I said, I just hope that whatever comes next, that you come out in one piece at the end of it. I'd hate to see that, that handsome face get any more scarred than it already is. Oh, well, thank you, Miss Molly. I certainly try to keep myself in one piece, and, and he gives her a, that smile that he has. <laughs> and he says, and uh, I hope you're enjoying your wine and your meal. Yes, I didn't know you knew about red wine. This is wonderful. I've never tasted anything like it. Well, I have a friend who's been teaching me about the finer things, and I hope I can share more of them with you. She leans in a bit and says... Do you mean those two sitting at the bar? Well, they are my friends. Don't know what they're doing here. She said, well, look, I'm glad that uh, they feel so fond of you that they came to give you a bit of protection on dangerous evenings. <laughs> dangerous evening like this. 
Oh, he blushes a bit. He says, uh, is it a dangerous evening with you, Miss Molly? No, I was just joking. I was just joking. And we can cut over to the bar where, where Selby and Thackeray are sitting, assuming they have not been seen, but realising that they have been. What is he doing? That is the wrong glass. Yeah, you're drinking out of like a cocktail. Oh, no. But uh, of course, you don't realise. Okay, well, good stuff. Good stuff. And maybe you uh, you wrap up your night. Molly, of course, bids you a demure good night. Maybe a little kiss on the cheek. Nothing more. Oh, just on the cheek? Okay. Yes, well, of course. I mean, you're courting. This is this is the 1930s. This is... Uh... <laughs> so, Thackeray, as, as you're heading up to your room, maybe after at the end of the evening, the concierge comes over and he says... Oh, Mr. Thackeray, there was someone who came round earlier looking for you. Oh, did they have papers? Tell them I'm not here. Papers? What do you mean, sir? Oh, you know the sort, always bothering me to sign uh, their latest academic work. No, 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 no. It was uh, a young man, rather, rather large. Oh, Mr. Selby. No, no, no. I have to say, he, he was a little bit, how can I put it, unsavoury. Oh, I see. And he asked for me by name? Yes. He asked if you were in. I don't get chummy with that sort. If you see him again, point him out to me. Probably read my name in the papers. Now, I didn't wish to alarm you, sir, but one of the porters said he recognized him. He said a few things that sounded a little bit off-color. Why don't you wait here? I'll bring him over. And one of the porters comes over, and he says, uh, Hey, Mac... I beg your pardon. Sorry, sorry, sir. Hey, sir. Sorry, I, I... Yeah, I'm forgetting myself. Uh, Professor Thackeray, sir. This guy who came to look for you, I recognize him, you know, from the old days. The old days? What do you mean, sir? This guy, his name's Casale. You, you need to keep a, away from him. Casale? He's not Italian, is he? Casale. Yeah, he's Italian from the old neighborhood. They say he's killed more people than the Spanish flu. I see, and he was looking for me. Do you think I have reason to fear for my life? Look, I, I don't know, but they used to say if Casale comes looking for you, you might as well throw yourself in the river. Well, I appreciate you telling me this. I'm sure you're putting your own life in jeopardy just by telling me. Well, you know, I was worried. You're a valued customer and all that. But uh, yeah, just watch out. And he describes him to you. Watch out for the, you know, for this guy. Okay. I certainly will keep a sharp eye. Thank you for the information. Uh, here, I press some uh, couple bills into his hand. If you see him again, come and get me. Give me a heads up. I'll do that. I'll do that. So, the next day... So, Mr. Chesterton, how was your evening? Well, you should know you were there. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. We were at the bar comparing notes, so I hardly noticed you there. Oh, I think it went well. She seemed to enjoy the night, and yeah, I think we'll have another date. I mean, if I don't turn into a snake before then. That is a very real uh, peril we all must live with. But no, I appreciate you letting me take her to the hotel, Doc, and give me a minute, too. No, think nothing of it, Mr. Chesterton. Say, I did receive some disturbing news. Apparently there is a uh, hit man. Have you ever heard of this term, a hit man? Oh, yeah. And apparently uh, one named Casal, Casali, Casali is uh, looking for me in particular. Do you know what he looks like? Because when I went back to my boarding house, my landlady told me there was a guy looking for me as well. Rather large fellow. Here, I, 
I have this composite sketch from one of the bellhops. Yeah, it's the same guy. I told you guys the mafia was looking for us. Yes, Mr. Selby, you were correct. But why? What, what could they want with us? I mean, are they connected with the snake business and Caduceus? Well, they certainly are snakes in the grass. Mr. Selby, the guy you said that followed you, you said he was he a big guy with dark eyes? Uh, he was smaller than me. So no, then. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same guy. I'm sure most of these hit men are large fellows with dark eyes. I mean, maybe. Sometimes you gotta blend in, though, right? I'm assuming. Well, perhaps we should uh, go over to Caduceus. Perhaps now is a good time to be out of the country. Well, I mean, I suppose. Things just got started with Molly, but you're right. And maybe they know who these people are, too. I would hate to see uh, anything bad happen to Molly. I mean, you too, of course, but if, any, if anything were to happen to Molly because of us, that would be unconscionable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want anything ever to happen to her. So maybe they know. Maybe they'll know why the pe these people are following us, too. That is a good point. To Caduceus, then. All right, let's go over back over to Caduceus. Okay. Yep. So you head to the Caduceus building on the Upper East Side. You go into the lobby, and uh, the receptionist in the main entrance is there, the reception desk. You have to pass through the security desk. Do you take weapons when you go to the Medium building, by the way? Just my walking stick. And a boot knife. Your boot knife, yeah, but no guns. I think that, because if no. you do, they would be definitely confiscated at the security desk. Yeah, I'm walking in there with my flamethrower. You are embarrassing me. The receptionist looks at you with this sort of surprised expression, and he says, I didn't send the message. He says, how did you know we wanted to see you? I'm a psychologist. Okay. Oh, well, you better go up. Hang on, let me just call up. We weren't expecting to see you until a bit later today. I I, I was going to... Uh, apologies, I, I I should have been quicker. I, I, I hope I don't get into trouble. <laughs> and he says, just wait one minute. And he calls up. He says, yes, they're here. They must have got my message very early today. And they, yes, yes, they're here. They're ready to see you now. And he puts the phone down. Yes, just go up, straight up, seventh floor. Seventh floor. Yeah, so you get in the elevator. And you go up to the seventh floor. And you're actually greeted by three armed Caduceus representatives who clearly have shoulder holsters and weapon and pistols. And they usher you along a corridor to a private meeting room that you haven't been in before. As you're led to your briefing, you pass several rooms and you can't help notice that the last one that you pass has an open door and in it, to your surprise, possibly, you see Tyrannish strapped into a chair. Several scientists hover around her and she seems to have woken up. One of them is administering an injection into her arm. And as you pass by, Tyrannish's eyes roll up and meet with Richard, with yours. And at that moment, a scientist sees you outside and walks over and closes the door. And Richard, at this point, you can make a power roll. Power roll, okay. Ooh, Ooh wow. Hard success. You've been rolling crazily good today, guys. You get this really strange feeling, Richard, almost like an adrenaline rush or excitement when Tyrannish's eyes met with you and you're not sure why. My heart starts to beat, like my heart beats faster kind of a thing. Yeah, it's almost like that feeling you get when you see Molly and then you immediately push that thought down somewhere into the subconscious. Oh uh, yeah, you, you see you guys see Richard start to breathe a little faster and you know, maybe a little bit of sweat form on his brow. Mr. Chesterton, your pants, fix yourself. I don't know what's come over me. 
Okay, well, anyway, you're ushered along to a private meeting room and you're seated and offered refreshments. And across the table are three chairs. Two of them are occupied. The middle one is empty. Okay, so sitting on the right-hand chair is the familiar face of Dr. Gonzalez in his medical coat with his little pens. Sitting in the left chair, however, is possibly the biggest man you've ever seen. He is huge. He wears a black jacket, turned-up collars, and a bow tie. He's bald, clean-shaven, doesn't have any eyebrows either. Gonzalez gives you a, a thin conciliatory smile as you come in, greets you, and then lowers his gaze to a notepad that he's got on the table. The other man, he just stares at you in silence. There's a slightly awkward atmosphere in the room. What we're going to have to do before we proceed is all of you can either use role psychology or intimidation because this huge man is possibly one of the scariest men you've ever seen in your lives and he is definitely trying to fuck with you by staring at you silently. Okay, so, well, Professor, you passed your psychology role. Logan and Richard, you both fail your intimidate role. Let's see what he gets. Oops. Because if you fail this, it means you will be intimidated. 90% he has. So let's, let's see what he gets. So he gets a 13, which is an extreme. So, yes, in fact, you are all, even though you got a, a normal success, Thackeray, even that is not enough. Because this guy, he just emanates malice and barely suppressed violence. I mean, he looks like he could snap you in half like a twig. I mean, you're all big, you know, some of you are quite big guys, but he must be well over seven feet tall. Looks like an absolute beast. He's an absolute unit. And you all sit there in silence for a while. Gonsalves seems almost cowed into silence. He doesn't really say anything. Well, Doctor, I'm glad you uh, brought out uh, Caduceus's more militant wing. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but it appears that we're being hunted by mafiosos. Apparently they are Oh no, from Sicily or someplace. And somebody like this would probably go a long way in uh, rooting these rascals out. Gonsalves looks at you with scared eyes and he says, I'm sorry, uh, Professor. Uh, Canning here only works for Joshua. And Canning just kind of slowly turns his head and looks at him with this piercing look. And then he just kind of cracks his knuckles a couple of times. <laughs> And Gonzalo says, yes, you see, yes, Canning is, is Mr. Meadham's personal assistant. But you, you say a mafia? But why would they have an interest in, in, in you? I was hoping you could shed some light on that subject. It appears since we've returned from Borneo that uh, the mafia has been trailing all three of us. I mean, it must be a coincidence, surely. I can't imagine why the mafia would have an interest in you. Have you been involved in their business? Well, let me come clean about something. Before this enterprise started, now this is just between us, but uh, a friend of mine may have acquired the Tommy gun that I've been using on our field trips. That Tommy gun may have been acquired from a crime scene, which may or may not have involved some of these mafia individuals. And I'm sure they want their gun back. I'm sure they've heard uh, how proficient I've become with it. Listen, I'm, I'm happy to play ball, but certainly harassing me and my friends is a bit extreme for this situation. 
Well, I uh, look. I, if you need some protection, maybe a couple of our associates could keep an eye on your property or on your place where you're staying. But I can't understand why the mafia would have any interest in you or any interest in us. I mean, yeah, you picked up a gun. I don't know. Maybe it was used to kill someone. Maybe it's evidence. So it has uh, come to our attention that uh, you were meaning to ring us up when we just showed up on your doorstep. So uh, may I inquire, uh, what do you have for us? Yes, yes. S sorry, with this all this talk and Canning here, putting me off a little bit. Canning almost sort of growls at him when he says this. He says, oh, wait, here, now. And he seems utterly relieved to see someone else walking into the room. And for the very first time, you see the famous... Joshua Meadham, the elderly, grey-bearded, grey-haired, intense-looking Joshua Meadham comes in. Canning stands up immediately, pulls out a chair for his boss to sit upon, and Meadham says, Such a pleasure to meet you all. I've heard so much about you. I hope you are all exceedingly well. Yes, the pleasure is uh, all ours, I'm certain. I I'm sure the there are some circumstances that have led to... Uh... Uh, you meeting with field agents yourself. I'm sure this is exceedingly rare. Well, when I have been given such wonderful reports about your extraordinary successes in the field, recovering Tiranish through, in the face of overwhelming odds, of rescuing all those thousands of people in the jungles of Borneo, I believe there was even a, an incident involving a positively gigantic serpent that you bested in combat. I have heard much about you. Uh, yes. And he says, yes, marvellous stuff. Now, Professor Thackeray, I, I hear you're, you got the makings of a race driver, is that true? Uh, well, I, when the chips are down, we do what we must. And driving and uh, firing of Tommy guns has uh, seemed to come naturally to me in uh, times of great crisis. Marvellous, marvellous. And you, uh, Mr. Selby, I hear that You've been getting to know your way around some of the uh, ancient artifacts, yes? Is that right? Flamethrowers and all that? Or is that Mr. Chesterton? That would be Mr. Chesterton. Right, Mr. Chesterton. A uh, bit of a firebug, aren't you? I do enjoy to use my flamethrower. Right, right, right. Oh yes, of course. Hawkeye Selby, as you're known to your friends. Your piloting skills are quite remarkable. And you, and you even saw a half-tarang device going off with your own eyes. Remarkable stuff. Yes, remarkable. Well, one day I hope to see one go off from a safe distance, of course. Now, we aren't here just to relive your career highlights, are we? We're, we're here for, for the next bit of business. Well, what are you going to ask us to do now? This one's a little bit closer to home. You will not be traveling to South America, or to the jungles of Borneo. No, you'll be going to somewhere a little bit more prosaic. Perhaps a little bit more troubled, in fact, though. You'll be heading out to the Dust Bowl, Bingham, Oklahoma. That's a pity. I was hoping we'd be traveling somewhere where the Mafia would not be able to drive to. Oh, <laughs> Mafia, yes. I couldn't help overhearing as I was walking in. I wouldn't worry too much about them. They're a little concerned to us. But let me tell you what is of concern to us. So, a cult worshipping Yig, the father of snakes, 
has come to our attention. Strangely, they are situated in a small town in Oklahoma and are using the guise of a Christian church of all things. Now, I do not want to take a heavy-handed approach here, at least not to begin with, but we need to find out the root cause of all this. I want you to find out how this backwater town has turned to worshipping this particular god. You must be on the lookout for serpent people. Remember, the inner night is dangerous and can appear just like you or I. Dr. Gonzalez here will escort you to the lab where you can listen to the recordings that are being broadcast by this deviant church. Good day and good luck. And then he stands up and promptly, briskly leaves, followed by Canning, who kind of, as he gets up, he grips the arms of the chair and you'll swear that you can see the imprints of where his hands were gripping once he gets up and leaves. And Gonzalez says, come on then, we better go. Can I ask a question for the doctor, of the doctor? Yes. Richard, he says, uh, what are you doing with Tyrannish? Well, we were interrogating her. You see, uh, she woke up and, uh, well, and just as he's saying this, you hear a massive explosion and screams coming from the room where Tyrannish was being held captive. It's thank you time again. So first of all, thank you, as usual, to Sirenscape for providing the amazing sound beds, sound effects, and music for the podcast. Also, of course, this podcast, it would exist, but it wouldn't have the same joy and energy it does have if it wasn't for the Patreon backers. I love you all. I thank you all. You make my day, my month, my year. And at whatever level you're backing, I'm just so, so grateful. And thank you for helping us keep going. If you want to show your support for the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash grizzlypeaks where you can join at a variety of levels which will give you early access, exclusive bonus episodes and even the chance to play in one of our invitation-only Patreon backer games. And they've been awesome. And it's been a bumper week of Patreon backers. I don't know what's in the water this week, but we have three new backers. First of all, we have Kleiss, who is from Sweden judging by the currency that he backs us with, Swedish kroner. And secondly, we have Tim Brandis from US. And last but not least, by any means not least, we have Spencer. Spencer, as any of the fans will know, is one of our players and a dear, dear friend of mine. And he has taken the wonderful step of backing the podcast that he appears on, which I always find a little bit funny, but also very, very heartwarming. Thank you so much to all of you. And thanks especially to Spencer for ponying up and helping defray the costs. See you soon. <laughs>